So, uh, we got an exciting uh, uh, guest today, my Mayflower twin, my Mayflower twin, Sean. Where are you, Sean? Uh, there you are. Where, where is he? Oh, there you are. He's hiding behind the pole. Come on up here, Sean. So, uh, you can see, as you can see, I want him to see us together here. Uh, as you can see, we are twins. You remember the movie Twins? Yeah, we're twins. All right. Uh, we have the same great, 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 great grandma, right? Yeah. From, uh, from the Mayflower and, and all that. So, you know, a lot of you know the story already. And, and Sean also, uh, my dad's six foot, by the way. I get, my dad is six foot. We uh, wouldn't know that, would you? So, uh, but uh, that's where I get the, 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 we're connected from my dad uh, to yeah. Sean's family. So, uh, Sean heads up our prayer ministry, the Wednesday night and the Sunday morning. We do it Zoom. If you want to ever be involved with prayer, just see Sean and he'll get you connected. And also, he's the one I always say, hey, make sure you tell Sean or whatever you give me, I send right to Sean because he gets the whole teams mobilized. So we're so thankful for that. And speaking of prayer, I'll just pray for you. Yeah, Father, just thank you for Sean and uh, what he's going to be sharing now. And we just thank you for the miracles of his life. And just pray that your Holy Spirit would empower him now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank All right. you, Chuck. You know, I'll tell you, this is fantastic because the last time I did this, there was no one here. It was me and the band. Todd was falling asleep. And and then I had a couple people running the running the show with the with the camera and my wife in the front row and that was that. I was here alone. And this is a lot easier. And I'm going to tell you why it's a lot easier. It's because I have prayed and the prayer team has prayed for every single... I watched you all come in. Every single one of you in this room and most of you watching at home, we have prayed for you. And you are truly my brothers and sisters. And I just thank you for coming out, being able to, given that there's no COVID scare. And uh, thank you all for that, my brothers and sisters. Fear. Today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, fear and death. Two light subjects that we're going to talk about. And uh, uh, I do want to thank Todd and the band. And I particularly want to thank uh, Pastor Chuck. Chuck Wilson, my brother from a different mother, um, who uh, planted with Kim this church and really has made this a wonderful group. I can't believe how full uh, we are here today. Last year I was here and we were still on those old chairs and now we've got brand new chairs and all sorts of things. Uh, different lighting. It's just wonderful. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you through the Lord, <clears throat> through the Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you for the blessings. For you have told us that only through the Bible, only through Christ can we get to you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for Christ being here with us here today as we pray and as we move through this service. We thank you for all of the blessings that you uh, have provided for us, all of the healings, all of the just different salvation and, and Savior uh, ability to save us from ourselves. We also thank you, Lord, for all the hardships that we go through. Uh, we do thank you because you are using this for a purpose, and that purpose is to glorify you. There's a reason why we're here, Lord, and there's only one reason why you have kept us alive, and that is to glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The only way we can really understand God's purpose is by looking in the rearview mirror. In other words, we, uh, we have to figure out what he has done uh, by looking in the rearview mirror. 
I particularly use lots of time and energy is spent uh, interpreting the Bible. I happen to go about it the other way, and I like to look at what I what is happening in my life, what is happening in your life, and say, okay, what does the Bible have to say about that? So a lot of this sermon, a lot of this service is looking in that rearview mirror, seeing what God has to say about what has happened. Um, not only in my life, but in other lives. Now, we're going to go to the pilgrims for just a second, the separatists. Chuck gave a great kind of summary last week, kind of took the wind out of my sails, no pun intended. But uh, he, gave, he gave a great uh, little synopsis. But what happened after that Thanksgiving, <clears throat> the year later, 1623, was a drought. And there was no rain for about three months. There was no... The, the, everything was wilting, is the way it was put. So, one day, one day in a very, Bradford said, hey, look, we got to pray. We got to pray about this, and we got to pray about this now. This is in 1623. Because everything's wilting. Everything's going to die. They're going to have no food for the winter. They don't have a car that they can get in to go three hours away or 20 minutes away. They don't have a boat to get back to England. They've got nothing but what they've planted. So we have to pay attention to that. That this was an ice. You're out there on your own. Uh, and only half of them that came over on the Mayflower were still around. Noon. Oh, 10 a.m. They'll get on their knees. They get on their knees and they pray. 12 o'clock. Nothing. Beautiful sunny sky. No rain. 1 o'clock. 2 o'clock. Nothing. 3 o'clock. 4 o'clock. They see a cloud. Literally, they see a cloud up in the sky. Do you know it started raining? And this wasn't a torrential downpour like, uh, like they have it up in Nantucket area. This wasn't uh, a nor'easter. This was a steady, gentle rain for about uh, two weeks. It rained. And that rain, that gentle rain, saved the harvest, saved everything. See, Bradford, and they were all walking around saying to themselves, Hey, what, what have we done wrong here, Lord? Why is this happening? But no, he had a purpose. And that purpose in that drought was to bring, him, bring them and us closer to him. We had to get down on our knees and pray. Let's kind of carry that one through. I thought that was an interesting kind of follow-up to uh, uh, Chuck's sermon last week. I could have died. I did die once. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about life struggles. We're going to talk about specifically my two, two of my life stories and really get into it to see what the Lord was doing in my life, and why I am standing here today. Because I'm standing here for a very specific reason. Don't know what that is. The Lord does. But I'm here to share this today with you. I could quote some scary data points from the Bible. And uh, I, this is not one of the ones I, I gave, but uh, I could quote Revelation. 21.8. Should I leave you hanging? No, I'm going to read it. It's not going to be up on the screen, though. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, 
They will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is a second death. Yeah, that's everyone. There's nobody in the world today that's left out of that one. But I'd rather begin with Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's right. Pastor Chuck has farm stories. I got backpacking stories. The real thing. The farm, they can go inside the house. No, I'm just needling Chuck. I've spent, I've spent the uh, uh, better part of two years in the backcountry, and I also uh, lived in, basically in Rocky Mountain National Park for a couple of years after college. And just keep in mind, when you're backpacking, they're not these clean campsites where you can get in a car and, again, drive 20 minutes down the road and go to the shop, shop right or something. These are, uh, you carry everything in and you carry everything out. The first story I, I, I have it involves backpacking. Now, I was with my family. Um, being that I, I was there, my son was there, uh, my, one of my brothers was with us, two of my brothers were with us, one of which uh, is now a major in the Marine Corps at the Pentagon. He, that boy has seen some days of days, I'll tell you. Um, and uh, my uncle was with us. He, uh, he was a Marine Corps officer as well in the Vietnam era, and he was kind of, he, he was there for sure. Great guy. I was born at Camp Lejeune. Yeah, I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those guys. I'm one of the babies that was there that uh, survived. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, there is a burial there's a whole burial area, burial area for all the babies that died, and it's it's and I've heard stories, and my father talks about this, where uh, you know it 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 was before all this Camp Lejeune water and everything came out uh, and has come out, you know. 25 years later, 30 years later, 50 years later, um, that <laughs> something was wrong. Anyway, I digress. God has a plan, is my point. God had a plan for me. Uh, it's not fatalistic. It's just the reality of the situation. We're here to serve God. My older brother and I, uh, the one, not the Marine, my older brother and I, we used to spend our summers in uh, backpacking with my father and extended family uh, in Yellowstone. So the, my point is, we're on, this, is, this is not a new trip. We know what we're doing. Uh, we're, we're aware of the dangers. Uh, this is my son, Kyle. You see, this is all very real. <laughs> we're in bear country. That's my son, Kyle, at the time. He's 30-some years old now, and uh, that's him holding uh, uh, the K-bar knife as we were uh, beginning to get back into, going back into the backcountry. We're off, off for an adventure. We're about three days in, and uh, we ended up standing, uh, taking a pit stop uh, while we were trudging down the uh, path. And this was this is the picture, an actual picture of where we stopped. Um, beautiful. That's a glacial lake that is freezing cold. Uh, about, you know, we stayed there for about 15, 20 minutes. You know, it is interesting this campsite because there was a um, there happened to be a ranger station there. You know, where they overnight and stuff. And there were these big, I mean. Big, long nails pounded in the door. 
and they're about this far apart, and they're all pointing right at you, right? So we all figured, okay, that's to keep the bears out. All right, fair enough. And it's also to keep us out. All right, I could deal with that. Good to go. Fair enough. We moved down the trail. It was only about two-tenths of a mile before we got to our campsite. So that's great. Uh, we're at the campsite, and uh, as you can see, this it's all clean, and uh, we get in the lake. We all go take, uh, hop in, hop into this ice-cold lake. It's about 39 degrees, but we're in there. We're cleaner, you know, we kind of smelled, and, you know, it was, it was not good. Threw some fresh underwear on, and uh, I went to start uh, uh, cooking the meal, because that was my job. My job is to cook the meal in the backcountry. This has just always been, like, my job. Sure, I'm boiling water, and uh, Kyle comes up to me, my son. He comes up to me and says, hey, I want to go. Uh, can I go back to that uh, ranger station, see a man about a horse, you know, pee, see a man about a horse, and uh, hit some, yeah, this was his pastime. Uh, Kyle's pastime is, is throwing these rocks up in the air and hitting them with sticks. So this is what he, Dave knows. He was uh, he coached Kyle uh, with me. <laughs> so this was this was his thing, and so uh, we went out there, and uh, uh, so I stayed and I started cooking the water, and uh, Kyle uh, goes back and does his thing and. And then he's hitting sticks, and I can't hear him. I can't see him because it's all the way back down, about two tenths of a mile back down the back down the uh, trail. And all of a sudden, I hear this, Dad. What? Uh, what? <laughs> bear. He screams, bear. So I ponder this for this, for for half a second. I ponder this, and and you know all this is going through my head, and I come up with the most logical conclusion I figure I can come up with. Run! <laughs> and he says, "Run!" I say, "Run!" <laughs> so he starts running down this this trail. Right? Can't hear him yet. Dad. What? It's chasing me. Run. So I'm screaming at him, run. He says, he calls out to me, he says, Dad, what? I fell down. Run. So I'm, I'm getting myself all worked up here. Not right now, but at, at that time. So I'm getting ready. So we're, we're getting real big, right? Because he's, I know Kyle's going to fly around that uh, corner, back down the trail, and into the cooking area, which is where I am. So Kyle comes flying down the trail, right? And I get, I said, get behind me. Get, get, you know, you get as big as you can, right? So I, here I am. I'm as big as I can, and I hear this bear coming. I'm telling you, it was like a herd of horses coming down that trail. This is, I'm not making this up. It was a herd of horses. It was so loud. The bear comes flying. He's right on Kyle's tail. Comes flying around. Kyle's right behind me because he beat the bear. And uh, the bear goes, and, I, and I'm here, and I go, stop. You know, I'm screaming at this thing. A bear gets up on his haunches, starts yelling, screaming at me. So here we are. We're screaming at one another, the, me and the bear. And I said, then, then the bear gets down on four haunches and proceeds to start destroying the, 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 the cooking area. Kyle, I'd say to Kyle, I said, Kyle, man, dude. He says, what? I said, back out of here very slowly. And go get your uncles and, yeah, go get your uncles. What about you, Dad? Don't worry about me. 
Yeah, recognize I am closer to the bear than I am right now from Todd. And that bear stand up. So he backs out. Backs out. So here I am, me and the bear. We're going back and forth. You know, and, and, and I'm just watching. By this time, I put my arms on. I'm just watching him. Dude, you don't need to destroy my stove. And these are things I need. And Kyle comes back. I said, where, where are you? Dude, where, where are your uncles? He says, they don't believe me. I said, you got to be kidding me. So I back up, right? Yeah, we're a little afraid at this point. So I back up. I said, okay, I'm gonna, you back out of here, and I'm going to back out of here. So he backs out. I back out. Go back. And, and uh, I go over to my uncles, and I say, hey, why didn't you believe Kyle? There's a bear. He said, no, there's no bear. You're pulling our leg. You're, you're, you're uh, giving us the business. I said, oh, stop. All right. So the bear wanders over. Oh, so I say to Mark, I say to my brother Mark, yeah, he's the guy at the Pentagon. I say to my brother Mark, I say, Mark, give me the bear spray. You know, we came prepared. We're ready. We're ready for this eventuality. We've been chased out of Yellowstone before, yeah, out of Yellowstone that time, not out of Glacier, out of Yellowstone by a bear once before. So we, 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 we were prepared. And you can't bring a gun into the national parks. It's like a thing. And so. We follow the rules. So uh, Marcus hands me a shovel. I said, what am I going to do with this? He says, hit it in the head. I said, I said to myself, dude, if I'm close enough to hit the bear in the head with a shovel, I'm going to kill it. She says, I got a K-bar knife. Yeah, it's a Marine Corps knife. And uh, give it to me. So that's me with the K-bar knife and the bear in the background. You can see that's a bear. That's Kyle in my tent uh, right there. And that's me with the K-bar knife standing dejectedly trying to figure out what in the world are we going to do at this point. I'd ramp down a little bit. So that's great. All right. So. Excuse me. I'm a little couple of pages behind. So here's the bear. A bear proceeds to tear up my tent. That's Kyle's backpack right there. All the food. So the bear, so the bear goes, messes everything up, and then walks down the road. Then the bear, so the bear moves on, and the bear comes back. I think, oh, this thing is tracking us. It's got us in our sights. See, this is not a small, cuddly bear that uh, you get out here on, in the east. This is a 1,000-pound to 1,500-pound beast of a creature. These are not these little cuddly, uh, knee-high, oh, uh, I'm going to you know, do whatever with it. No, you stay away from bears. You stay away from bears, you stay away from moose. So, here we go. The bear walks down the road. What are we going to do next? So, we, we had no option. What we ended up doing is we ended up packing everything up, right? Hanging all of this stuff that we had carried in for the last couple of days up on a tree, up in a tree. And uh, we walked out that night in the dusk, dark, in the dark, looking over our shoulders the whole time. We brought water and we brought, uh, you know, bars to eat on the trail. But we hiked all the way out that night and we slept in the, uh, oh, I forgot an important thing. My brother had lost the bear spray. That was, that was awful. <laughs> Yeah, Marcus, give me the bear spray because we came prepared for this eventuality. Not only before he handed me the shovel, I asked him about the bear spray. He says, yeah, lost it. Lost it three days ago on the trail. Okay. It was a great trip. 
right up until the bear came. Next summer, uh, Kyle and I and my daughter, Kelsey, we were in Teton National Park, and we were just going on a day hike. And uh, so uh, uh, the three of us uh, uh, came across. We were hiking up because in Teton, everything is up. I mean, it's really up. Yeah, you get to come down, but it's up. And uh, so sitting on the, uh, we were on the trail and pretty well-traveled trail. And there are these little cubs sitting on the side of the road, the side of the path on a tree stump or something, eating berries and whatnot, uh, just two of them. And, uh, and Kel- Kyle and I gave this thing a wide berth. Uh, these two, because you don't see the mom. Where's the mom? Hello. You don't mess around with uh, little bears. So, yeah. yeah. Kelsey took pictures. Yeah. We told her she was fully insane, and uh, she was. We told her. But as we look in things in our rearview mirror, there's a reason for everything. There's a reason why that bear didn't kill us. We could take a look at uh, Genesis 50:20. As for you, you meant evil against me. Well, we can say it's the bear, but God meant it for in or, <clears throat> it for good in order to bring about about this present result to preserve many people alive. Holy Spirit says through James, James 4:15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. We will live and do this or that. In my life, I did a lot of this or thatting. Um, a lot of this uh, study also uh, revolves around Solomon, what we're studying today here, uh, and uh, Ecclesiastes. You know, a lot of people think, oh, oh, Ecclesiastes. That's kind of a downer. No, Ecclesiastes is a wonderful book. It's a wonderful book because it takes a look at life through a spiritual lens, through God's lens, and through human lens. It's great. It's a great book. We're going to summarize Ecclesiastes here a little bit. King James Version calls it vanity, and... uh, NIV, it's meaningless. Everything in life is meaningless. In the end, everything under the sun, a phrase under the sun is used 28 times. It's referring to the mortal world. And all things under the sun, he's talking about earthly things, worldly things, things we're uh, very familiar with. First seven chapters of the book talks about all the worldly things under the sun. He tried, this is Solomon writing. He tries scientific discovery, wisdom and philosophy, mirth, alcohol, architecture, property, and luxury. He tries all this stuff out under the sun. Then he looks at the philosophies. He talks about materialism, moral codes. Everything was meaningless. What's the bottom line here? Without God, there's no purpose. And you don't have any longevity. 8 to 12 of Ecclesiastes talks about the preacher and the preacher's suggestion of how life should be lived. It's worth noting the best of man's, achieve, uh, of a man's achievement, achievements are just uh, gone with the wind. They're not going to be acknowledged from youth. The answer to all of these vanities in life is Christ. It's very simple. I mean, we make it so difficult, but it's so simple. You give your faith in uh, in Christ. It gives us, the book of Ecclesiastes gives us the opportunity to look at emptiness and despair as 
We don't know who the, the, this is what people, and I was one of those people, grapple with. And we're going to tell my story in just a little bit and give my testimony again. Many of you have heard it, but it may have been quite a while ago. <clears throat> those who do not have a saving faith in Christ are living a life that's irrelevant. It's pointless. It's meaningless. It's vanity. Let me tell you a frightening statement that was made to me over the years. And I mean over many years. I want you to think think about this statement that was made to me. I never need to apologize for anything because that is what I was feeling at the moment. Let's think about that for a minute. You never need to apologize for anything because that's how I was feeling. Repentance is out of the question. Repentance is gone. It's how I was feeling at that moment, so it's okay. I don't got to, doesn't matter what you do. Murder, abortion, sexual sin, adultery, sinning in anger, breaking the law, vandalism, stealing, rioting. Their reality is very, very clear. And this, I'm afraid to say, has become a core of the moral quotes, not, reality of these United States and the world today. The reality is clear. Individual, momentary feelings are your God. That's your God. So you're serving God. You're serving those individual, momentary feelings. Makes me crazy. This whole subject makes me nuts. The complete word is not taught. You find a church, right? You go out there, you find a church. I'm not going to name churches, but I'm telling you, there are Christian churches out there. They teach you how to feel good. Teach you how to make money. Tell you that that's okay, that your feelings are good and valid. God is love. That's all God is, is love. Let me tell you something about God is love. And this hits a core subject for me as well, which we'll get into. God is love. Yes, 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 God is love. What is God first? Above everything else, top of the field. He's holy. What does that mean? He's holy. He is pure. He is not. Time is not a part of him. It. God. That. Thing. That people talk about. Him. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. From being holy. He's a just God. Right? He's just. That means everything has, everything, there is no sin. Period. None. For Him. From being a just God come all of these things. Love. He loves us because He's a just God and we're all should be burning in that in the sulfur sulfur lake. So He loves us. He's not first love. He's holy, just, then He's love, then He's principle, then da, 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 da. mind, soul, spirit. The whole nine yards. That's how that all comes about. Different <clears throat> Christian ministries, and I'm a little off base, but different Christian ministries right now talk about, okay, 
you know, they'll pick one part of that, you know, fruits and whatever. And they'll turn it all around, and uh, they want to keep people coming back. All right, let me get back onto this. That statement, let's go back to that statement, my feelings. Proverbs 28, 26. Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Proverbs 14, 12 to 13. I get the English Standard Version. But, uh, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it is the but its end is the way of death, way to death. Even in laughter, the heart may ache. And at the end of joy may be grief. We're going to go to Proverbs again. I love Solomon. Fools give full vent to their rage. But the wise bring calm in the end. I tried, spent a lot of time, spent a lot of my life looking for uh, happiness and joy. I felt God had abandoned me. All right? There's a specific reason why I had felt God abandoned me, and this goes into the core of my testimony. It was a function of, uh, I was in college, all right, and uh, it was about a week before graduation. Something you need to understand about the college I went to, and uh, my whole family has gone to, and my grandfather taught there for 44 years, and the whole nine yards. Uh, it's College for Christian Sinus. And the, not um, not the uh, not Scientology. Christian Science is a different thing. Altogether different. It's based on the King James Version of the Bible. Anyway, um, the, the everyone at that school, they, we were hardcore. It was a very difficult school to get into. And it was a very, very good school. Um, uh, really pressed you. I, I have friends of mine who left and then came back. They would go off to Northwestern and whatever, and it'd be easy. Anyway, um, so the uh, what you had to sign, they meant it to get into the college. There's no drinking. There's no. Drugs? What drugs? You can't even take prescription drugs. There's no aspirin. There's no nothing. And uh, it's prayer, based on the King James Bible. Uh, prayer uh, is the tool uh, to heal. Okay. It's. It, it may seem weird. It may seem out there. May, but it's not. It's. It's a very real. Situation, no sex, no. and they meant it. Uh, if you were caught doing, or even oh, another key element is a lot of this has to do. A lot of that uh, were maladies or abnormalities were uh, a function of how we thought, how you think. So if you're thinking bad thoughts, uh, that's a function of error, which is entered into you, and therefore bad things happen. We're also living in a dream. It's Gnostic. And they, they'll deny it's Gnostic. It's, parts of it are Gnostic and, uh, and uh, just kind of a newer version of Gnosticism uh, in a lot of ways. Um, Gnosticism, I, I don't want to get into that discussion. I've studied it deeply. And uh, uh, no, like I say, all the gods before me we're out. Anyone who's suffering these maladies, uh, you, you kind of hospitals forget about it, right? Forget about it. You just don't do that. You don't go to the doctor. Dentists are kind of a gray area. All right. So we would go to the dentist once a year. It's a gray area. Anyway, error, which is Satan. Bad stuff is allowed into your uh, mind through erroneous thoughts. Error. Erroneous. Uh, 
this is a lot for a kid to manage. There's a lot going on out there. Uh, and when you get into college, and I, it's so wonderful to see all the young people in this church. Um, you get into college, and uh, you get out there, and you're still managing stuff and trying to figure out how to do stuff. Ecclesiastes 12.1. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble and the years approach, and you will say, I find no pleasure in them. My days were coming. They were senior year of college. We're rolling along. I had just... We had we had done well in some areas athletically, and uh, I had a buddy, my best friend, best friend I'll ever have, John. Uh, we had lived together for a couple years, really. Um, I was I was. Uh, the men's organization president and John was the vice president anyway so John's a terrible driver I always drove he always asked me to drive he knew he was a terrible driver he had this old Civic 1973 Civic manual transmission car so I always drove he hated drive Uh, it's about about a week, a little less than a week before graduation, and uh, got in a car accident. He not only got in a car accident, he was T-boned. So he's making a left off of River Road, Mississippi River, off of River Road, got hit by just a bigger car. Any of you can picture or remember or go look it up? Those Honda Civics, they were death mobiles, Right? And there's nobody, there's no way this car's coming 60 miles an hour this way, and he pulls out right in front of him, making a left-hand turn. Um, Anyway, John ends up in the hospital. This is bad. This has got to be about as bad as it gets, right? If John is in a hospital, all hope is lost. His parents flew in. Corporally, uh, in other words, the entire student body, the entire, uh, all the professors, everyone, the whole uh, college uh, was praying for John. There's no question about it. It's got to work, right? You pray, you expect a healing, healing comes, you move on down the road, right? There are a lot of people at that school. That, that at least when I was there, that had had, including myself, had healings and uh, uh, were just, you know, moving on down the road. In this dream, like uh, we weren't. This isn't. After all, this isn't reality. This isn't real. That we never celebrated birthdays, never, because uh, there's no birth or death. This is all a dream. Oh, I'm making some people angry right now. I can feel it. It's coming through. The... Um, anyway, John's in the hospital. Everybody's there. John dies. All right? Through a, despite all the corporal prayer. This caused for me a tremendous level of what what is called cognitive dissonance. In other words, everything you've been told... This is not true, but another example of cognitive dissonance is your Bible says you're supposed to love your parents. Yeah, but I go home at night and they beat me. That's life doesn't match what the Bible is telling me type of stuff. It's just an example. My parents never beat me. This is not, but it's an example of cognitive dissonance. I felt that way. So I, had, I felt, I, I'm the guy who had to go in and clean out John's room. I'm the guy that before his parents got, because every kid, every kid has just stuff they really don't want their parents to see. And that's okay. But I'm the guy who had, that was, 
I can I can see in my head right now. His door was shut. Doors are never shut. No women allowed in the rooms. Oh, excuse me. They were allowed in the rooms. So there were hours. And uh, you always had a, a brick. In, we called it a brick in the door because it was a brick in the door. Your door was never allowed to be shut. Uh, uh, when women are around uh, on on the floor. So I go in and I clean out his stuff. And I know where he keeps all his stuff. And so it's, it's not bad stuff. Trust me. This is not bad stuff. But you just don't want your parents. It's just a bad idea. Anyway, I can remember opening that door. It's like uh, he had just gotten up out of bed and and left. It was sad. That was sad. That was hard. Uh, his bed was unmade because he had just gotten up and gone out. That was tough. Anyway, John died. Uh, I'm going through at this point. I'm going through major cognitive dissidence. Went out uh, with another different buddy of mine, backpacking through Yellowstone uh, after graduation. Uh, the parents, John, John was a special kind of guy, uh, really special. Uh, keep in mind, all, all of our uh, professors and everything, they were all CIA and all had PhDs, and we were big feeder for the CIA. Uh, well, excuse me, Foreign Service. Uh, it's not called CIA. Um, but we were a big feeder college because of the morals and ethics that we live by. Right? Um, so uh, these professors get up and they they call them a funny thing. Uh, uh, they said he was a tr- during the testimony uh, service, which never happened, but we had one in the chapel. Uh, he was the transformative, brilliant mute. In other words, John never said anything. So, so here I am. Got to make a choice. Clearly, since my prayers didn't work, I wasn't close enough to God. I had a problem. So I, I felt like through this cognitive dissonance, I had to make a choice. I had to choose God or choose whatever. Everyone else seemed pretty happy out there, and I was pretty miserable. So, uh, so I made a choice. Went out and uh, said, "Hey, I'm going to live life, and I'm going to do what uh, uh, I'm what I'm supposed to be doing out here, following my uh, blood uh, bloodline." I became a man of some importance, I used to say. I knew and had, uh, this is all true, by the way. I knew and had meals with presidents of countries. Some of the, I worked directly for one of the wealthiest people in the world, top 20. Um, Chief justices, I knew all these people. Chief justice, Supreme Court. First woman to uh, summit Mount Everest, had dinner with her. In Switzerland, uh, first woman to summit Mount Everest from both sides. She's got stories. Uh, we'll save that for a different sermon. I was around when the resistance movements were happening, and I will not say what countries, but not the United States, uh, and uh, against uh, dictatorial leaders. I was in those conversations, how to overthrow them. Um, all while uh, with Dave sometimes coaching my children's uh, baseball, basketball. Uh, I stayed away from soccer. I, I, I never really understood it, and uh, so I just stayed away. But I coached kids. I coached kids. I coached, I coached uh, the Wilson kids, a couple of the Wilson kids, uh, for years and years. Had fun with that. My blood path, I talked about that just a second ago. My blood path is pretty clear. Uh, it was Weebolt, uh, which is basically um, one person described us as uh, Chicago aristocracy. Um, 
we built, we paid for and built a lot of Northwestern University. Um, I was a sergeant, Sergeant in Lundy, you know, nuclear energy, uh, the atom bomb, all of that. Uh, that was that was Grandpa. Um, blood son of 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 uh, the Mayflower, John and Priscilla Alden, obviously of Southworth, uh, uh, which uh, and uh, this is how I ended up as Chuck's bigger brother. Chuck Wilson. We figured this out a couple of years ago. I, I, I got a little problem. I don't understand. Are his kids? Do I have to get him Christmas presents? <laughs> I, and and what do I do about Kim? And and the bigger problem, I, you know, all, all this time I had been saying it's Jim Davis. Well, Jim Davis, no relation. And now he's something. I don't. I don't quite understand what he is. I, what do I do about all this? I said, okay, we're not going to worry about that right now. And kids don't expect a present from me. So. I felt in time like I was... Solomon would make perfect sense today. You know, I'm, I'm living that life. I went out there. I was doing it. Living my blood path. I'm telling you, it was a mess. We've gone through a bit of a slog. I know that. Uh, but we're basically at the heart of my testimony now, or we're getting into it. I live this worldly life. Something was always missing, right? It's just something missing. It, after a period of time, and, uh, I, you know, I. I got to know, through coaching the Wilson kids, I got to know Chuck and Kim. There was a specific situation where I had mentioned something, and uh, uh, the catalyst for that is uh, Kim Kim said to me, uh, this was on the sidelines of baseball games, you should talk to Chuck. You really should talk to Chuck. I, 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 it's incredible what, they, what they've done here with the, with the church. Anyway. Drank too much. Drank to the point where cysts were covering my pancreas and squeezing it. So I had this uh, pancreatitis, been hospitalized a couple times. Uh, all this time being deeply emotional, being an emotional guy, impacted by the death of anyone, real on TV, be crying. So that moment had come. It was pretty clear. Alcohol saturated all my, my uh, organs. Um, this isn't a story about alcohol. It's not a story about uh, uh, fear of death. It's a story about running away from God. It's it felt like a, a modern Jonah it's not a story about broken and godless relationships, lost people. It's not a story about death. It's not murder or unrepented sin. It's a story about salvation. Stopping the marathon away from God. Jonah 1.3 says, But Jonah got up and went the other direction to Tarshish, running away from God. Hey, as a side note, uh, Christ believed the Jonah story, right? As three days Jonah was in the whale. Uh, if Christ believed it, I'm going to believe it. <laughs> a lot of people are, oh, there's no way Jonah could live in a whale. No, nobody here, but uh, some people out there uh, think it's a, it's a fable. It's not. Christ believed it, I believe it. On a particular day, my daughter was still living with me, September 14th. Uh, Kelsey left the house, said goodbye, and uh, I was upstairs in the bedroom, uh, on the floor of the bedroom, uh, in just terrible pain because uh, of this pancreatitis. Uh, the doctors told me it was the second most painful way to die, uh, first being the bends. Uh, 
Literally, they told me. Like, I tried to speak. And it's a strange, if anyone has gone through this, uh, it's the strangest sensation, really. Nothing would come out. Nothing came out of my mouth. So I'm sitting there, and I go uh, up, <clears throat> crawl over to the toilet. I'm sitting on the toilet, wastebasket in front of me. And I say, at that very moment, I say, and I said this out loud, God, if you are real, either kill me or give me a purpose for you in life. Anyway, make the long story short, my daughter is driving to wherever she's going. She turns around. She comes back. She said, something told me that I should uh, uh, be with you. I need to come back. She said that at the time. She says it now. So she helps me over an hour or so make our way downstairs. And in the, uh, in the middle of the family room floor, I died. And uh, I can so I, I told uh, Kelsey, I said, hey, Kelsey, uh, call Monica. I'd only known Monica a couple weeks. She's like, call Monica. I said, yeah, just call Monica, call an ambulance, and then that was that for me. All right, so here I am. Not conscious. Uh, I'm out. I'm done. Um, in the middle of the floor, and as clear as I I can hear it in my head right now, I can hear it in my head, and it's not in my voice. It says, "You are not done yet." Okay, this just got real. You are not done yet. My eyes shot open. I mean, they shot open. And I didn't go running around the room, trust me. Um, but my eyes shot open. Kelsey and Monica were in the middle of a conversation whether CPR would actually help. And uh, uh, where was the ambulance? Uh, I'm going to keep this thing moving here. But... Uh, just to let you know, I got to the hospital. They loaded me on an ambulance. Uh, Monica stayed by my side. I'm eternally grateful for her. I'm eternally sorry uh, for the pain and suffering I put my daughter through. Uh, get to the hospital. Can't ever apologize enough for that. Get to the hospital, and uh, the doctor says, you have no blood in your body. We can all tie in biblical themes here. You have no blood in your body. Yeah, okay. You're like 4.3 and you're supposed to be 12 to 15. And I don't know what any of this means. All I know is they came charging in the room. They put two liters, two or three, three maybe, liters of blood in me and uh, a full bag of iron. Right? My dad flew up. He came out, and uh, we got all of this. Uh, he got everything managed. Uh, we, they uh, had this intervention. I, I have no – I want to mention something here. Uh, I had grown – I had no faith in uh, psychotherapy. I had no faith in uh, – I'd been behind the veil for a long time. I knew these people. And, uh, you know, a psychotherapist. Uh, it's, uh, I knew these people. So if you're not seeing, if you're not seeing Paul Vandervliet or someone that Chuck recommends, uh, as Christian counselors, then, uh, yeah, good luck with that. You're cozying up to the enemy. The Lord was with me. During this time, sent me off to uh, rehab. Acts 26:18, to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan. I should mention that this was this wasn't black in my head. This was this was darkness. 
who's gone. They may receive, receive <coughs> forgive from the, let me start off, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from dominion of Satan to God, that may, they may receive forgiveness of sin and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified, sanctified by faith in me. Let's put on the most potent pain relievers possible. And a week later, I was, I was standing at the window. They were shipping me off to uh, Florida uh, for a program. It's fine. Uh, and uh, tears streaming down my face. I mean, all day, standing out of the Doylestown window, staring outside, just uncontrollable. It wasn't like it was just because I was I was grieving my old life. It was gone. I knew it was gone. I was grieving it. Anyway, down in Florida, I'll just tell you a quick story about that. Um, uh, when I when I was uh, when I I openly professed uh, uh, trust in the Lord, um, uh, they would let us go to church every other Sunday. I mean, this is not a 28 day program. This is uh, yeah, you can go home when we let you. We'll tell you when you go home. This isn't uh, uh, a little. The only thing, uh, the key is to being one and done is Christ. That's it. That's all you can do. So I knew I was going to be done. Uh, they asked, the the pastor asked, uh, this is a mega church, so it's broadcast all over the nation, whatever. And it, they would put us in, all in the front row um, from the, from the uh, basically uh, minimum security prison that we were in, <laughs> and it was. Um, they put us in there, and they put us all in the front row every other week, and the uh, guy says, uh, does anyone want to be safe? I, I stood up. guy next to me stands up. All 25 stood up at the same time. This is a mega church. And they're all scrambling around. We all got saved. Go in the back room. And uh, you know what? Uh, this is the most uh, most people saved at one time, uh, like ever. And they didn't know what to do. They didn't have enough stuff. Uh, I'm enduring. It, it, so everything was, was uh, you know, smooth sailing. We're done. Yeah, everything has been perfect since then. <laughs> Oh, my heavens. I've lost everything. Everything worldly. I lost literally everything. When I talk about everything, I mean everything. And money, money uh, house, status, uh, whatever that is. Uh, I've made a choice uh, to give up everything, change everything that I eat, uh, change everything. Monica has stuck with me through the whole thing. I can, again, be, it, she's seen some dark, dark days. Um, but I made a commitment while I was on that toilet and I planned to keep it commitment to the Lord hey he saved me so here I am and uh, after over 50 courses and and uh, deep deep study of the Bible I figured out two things I'll wrap it up with these two things the Bible is not a series of parables. Rather, every word of the Bible is not only historically accurate, I study this, but true in every sense of the word. God breathed. Christ is alive today and active. We access him through meditation, prayer, fasting, and Bible study. That's how we get to God. It says... Number one, prayer, whether in song, individually, corporally. Fasting shows God that we will sacrifice for Him as He has sacrificed for us. Bible study is pretty basic. You know, you got to get to know the Bible. 
And, med- and, and uh, I love meditation. Meditation, choose on. You can meditate any way you want. Uh, you know how many involved. We access them through uh, uh, meditation, reflects on or choose on the word. Just think about it. All right. So what have I done since then? I got my book, wrote a book, became a professor at uh, Christian University, uh, head coach of golf team, head coach, oh, not head coach, pitching, catching coach, baseball, uh, happy mar- uh, happily married, uh, director of golf, PGA Tournament Players Club. I got a lot done. It was all for his glorification. Right? I'm going to finish up with Colossians 3, 1 to 9. Because I don't like little bits and pieces. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. I felt that wrath. You used to walk in these ways. In the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things such as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self and and its practices and have put on the new self which being renewed in the knowledge and image of his creator. Most importantly, John 3.16, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God, this is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son. Christ was a part of that God. Right? gave his one and only son whoever believes in him Christ is the him with your heart and mind believe shall not perish but have eternal life in heaven with him let's pray heavenly father we come to you and we thank you for this time together I'm sorry I went a little bit long uh, but I really wanted to tell the whole story here we thank you Lord for the strength that you have given us and we look forward to what you are going to do not only in these days but in the days to come we are here lord to glorify you to uh we are here for your purpose and your purpose alone that's the only reason we walk these with these uh paths today we thank you for all the blessings that you have provided for us in jesus name amen